0: To the July 2011 podcast of Ordinary Means, I'm your host Sean Nolan here with Matt Bowling. Hey, Sean. Matt Bowling, how are you? You know, I am fairly sane. Fairly sane. That's good. Now your your cat just died.
1: Yes. Yeah, we're a little a little a sad. little bit of sadness in the house. Yes. So so if Matt's- technology is nice, the Ordinary Means are great but God does give us companions and then we get sad when our companions are gone.
0: Yeah. So you can, you can direct your, um, remorse cards to, uh, Matt's cat died at ordinary (laughs) Dot com. Um, no, it's, that's a, that's a serious and a sad thing, particularly when you have kids.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, this particular cat, predated all of our kids so the kids weren't too attached to it and the cat wasn't too attached to the kids it was unfortunately the dad that was very attached to the cat and the cat very attached to the dad
0: so uh, i remember when the cat that you and i the the cat i had uh when we all lived together during seminary uh when that cat died yeah i think at the time we had three girls and as i as I drove away, we might have had all four at that point. one of my, one of might have been in in arms, uh, but I remember driving away to the vet. The cat was on its last breath, and um, this this image in my rear view mirror of four girls and my wife bawling in the driveway <laughs> as I drove away in the car, so all right, our animals are definitely close to us. Now, uh, we're picking up this month on a conversation we started a couple months ago, and that is a conversation on technology and the ordinary means. Now, you know what does that mean? I think one of the first things I think of is how much technology has invaded the worship service, hmm. uh, and maybe maybe invaded is is an unfair word.
1: Maybe showing your cards a little too I'm early. Show my cards a little bit too because early. Certainly. Um, If we were to look at it from the perspective of the first century, you know, even the existence of a dedicated building, the existence of uh, paper Bibles for everybody to have, um, uh, literate people, those are all technologies.
0: And and we're going to talk about that. I think that is one thing we need to remember is is even the codex was a technology. Absolutely, you know, going from scroll uh, to codex was a, mm-hmm. was a big deal. Um, you know, Gu- Gutenberg was a technology. Oftentimes, when we talk about technology, what we're thinking of is uh, is the modern things or the things that have to do with our age of technology, and and really. We had the technological age in the 1900s. What we're facing now really is the digital age. It's mm. it's everything going into the cloud, as it were. Yes. That's that's a more significant thing that we need to deal with because I think we've all accepted that technology is a part of life. You know, when, when the cavemen, if there were ever cavemen let's presume there were when the cavemen figured out you could hammer something with a rock or you could kill somebody with a rock when they first invented tools that was the beginning of technology so we shouldn't we, we shouldn't confuse uh you know we talked last month about the luddites mm-hmm. uh, we shouldn't say all technology is bad because technology is a part of creativity it 's a part of mm-hmm. the creation ordinance of taking dominion is to develop technology but uh, are all technologies are all uh, digital transfers transferring our life into the digital realm are all of these things the best now we, we start out talking about the the invasion of technology into the worship service. We've never seen this in churches before. This is, it's important for us to remember similar to, um, uh, similar to church music. You know, the, the idea of the rock band in the church hmm. would, is, is a brand new idea. The idea of a video screen in the church is a brand new idea. And now does, does the fact that it's new, uh, make it bad. Well, C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. would argue, um, our tendency, all of our tendency is if it's new, it's better. Right. And so asking the question, if it's new, is it bad, is actually a really good question we need to train ourselves up to ask some more. You know, here's something new. Is this a good thing? And, and that's where we, we just started to go here last month. Um, and that was to Neil Postman's um, – I, ca- I call Neil Postman's six questions to be asked of every new technology. And hmm. these are, in my opinion – the man was not a believer, but I believe these are an inspired – in the inspired six questions. If there was a seventh, it would be inspired. Maybe this is just barely inspired. Um, but these six questions that Neil Postman came up with building – um, on the work of, uh, Marshall McLuhan, who was Neil Postman's professor, um, who needed some <laughs> to be built upon, uh, Marshall McLuhan, if you look it up on Wikipedia, you can look up his, um, I'm going to try, got to remember what it's called. It's the Tetrad. It's the Tetrad of media effects, I believe is what it's called. And you can read that Wikipedia page eight times and you will not understand. He needed to be translated. <laughs> he needed to be translated, and I think that's what Postman does with his six questions. Um, the classic example of this, and you can find this online on YouTube, um, you can find Neil Postman giving the lecture. Uh, Neil Postman uh, passed away, I want to say, a year year, and a year, or two ago? No, several. Has it been several?
1: Yeah, yeah, I want to say uh, maybe...
0: 2006. Was that that long ago? Okay. It was when I was
1: still in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. So that's then it was three to third years ago. Well, you can find... Uh, 2000, 2003. October 5th, 2003. Oh,
0: you just looked it up. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, time passes quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so you ago. can find his lecture on this um, on YouTube. And one of the examples that he gives in his lecture, and I think we've given this before because I, I it's, it's humorous and it's helpful, is the example Neil Postman gives of uh, buying a new car. And he goes into the car dealer, and the car dealer, of course, as any car dealer does, is trying to sell Neil Postman on all of these options that he can get with his car and reasons to upgrade his car. And he says, uh, uh, the, the fellow the fellow he's buying the car from, he says, now you can get this one with electric windows. Neil Postman thinks for a minute, and he asks the first question. And this is Neil Postman's first question. What is the problem that this technology is seeking to solve? Good okay, question. So what, it's a great question. What is the problem that this technology is seeking to solve. So what we want to do over the course of this podcast and perhaps the next podcast is go through these questions and apply them to the ordinary means. But to give you a simple example of how this would be applied, uh, Neil Postman asked the car dealer, he said, what's the technology um, or what's the problem that electric windows is seeking to solve? And the, uh, the the car dealer thought for a moment, and he said this problem, and he gave the motion of reaching across the passenger seat and rolling down the window, something <laughs> that maybe even some of our listeners have never had to do, but that, you know, we all, if, if you're old enough, you remember reaching across the passenger seat and having to roll down the window or unlock the passenger side door from inside the car before the day's of electric locks. And so Neil Postman thought about that for a moment. Okay, the problem is this stretching activity, this reaching activity. And, um, and he asked the second question. Um, he asked himself, whose problem is that? Hmm. Okay, so the first question is, what's the problem this technology sought to solve? Well, it's the stretching, reaching across the passenger seat problem. Whose problem was it? Well, Postman thought for a moment and he, and he decided, well, you know what? That's not my problem. <laughs> he, he turned to the car dealer and he said, well, you know, I'm a professor. I sit at, in, a, in, a, in a comfy chair at a desk most of my day. He said, I need a little bit more reaching across and rolling windows down in my life. I'm a little right. too sedentary. Interesting. Um, you know, then you can go on. So that was his example. But then you go on to the third question. Maybe it'd be good to lay these all out right at the right at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, what problems were created by the technology? By it. Yes. You know, for, for example, I uh, I have a, a good friend who is on blood p- pl- br- can't even say that blood pressure medication. And if you know anybody who's on blood pressure medication. You know if you're taking one, you're probably taking 15 different drugs. Because blood pressure medication, um, as soon as you thin the blood, you have to then make way for other problems that can be related to the thinning of the blood. And so often people who are on one blood pressure medication aren't just on one. They're usually on three or four, sometimes more than that, if you begin to count the vitamins and the things that they have to take to take care of their heart, the aspirin they have to take and things like that. Um, so there's while we've developed technologically a solution to heart attacks, um, have... It's it's also created a number of other problems, side effects and the like. That's, you know, that's that's a good example. Now, in the case of electric car windows, you know, what problems does that create? Well, maybe it creates too sedentary of a lifestyle. You know, suddenly... You know, when I'm driving my car, I've got the cruise control right here on the steering wheel. I've got the volume and the radio controls right here on the steering wheel. The steering I've got wheel. My, yep. my windows uh, right over here, just, just like less than eight inches off to my left. I can control my mirrors with a button just above that. Right. Suddenly, right. I, I'm not doing anything. And hmm. Neil Postman hits on a good point there is, shouldn't we be... <laughs> You know, we're a very sedentary society. The industrial revolution has made us very sedentary. We don't move much. Yes. Um, so for has electric car windows, you know, I'm, I'm all for electric car windows. I do not. When my child rolls down the window in the back, I want to be able to turn that on and off. I want to be able to roll it back up. Um so I'm all for electric windows. But these are good questions to ask. And as we begin to apply them to the church and the use of technology in the church in relationship to uh, the preaching, the sacraments, uh prayer, you know, these these are key things or just in in relationship to church life. Uh, one of the later questions that um well the fourth question. So third was what problems were created. The fourth question is which people and institutions have been harmed by this technology in other words when you create a new technology somebody's going to go out of business you know the right. guy the guy who makes those rollers well that's was the
1: original problem with the luddites if you remember yeah they were they, it was that machinery was taking over hand looming
0: so there were pe- they were the ones being affected they were losing their jobs yeah exactly
1: Yep, yeah. So that's the technology gained efficiency but lost jobs exactly. for people, and that's pretty typical.
0: So that's always going to happen. With every new technology, something is going to go out of the way. Everything, all the all the tablet devices that you see being made today with touchscreens, um, you know, are the people who make mouses for computers thinking about this? I'm sure they are. Because they're thinking at some point here in the future, people may not need mouses because everything will be touchscreen. Mm -hmm. Are the people who build desktops, now that we're becoming such a mobile society, are the the people who are developing desktop computers, they're thinking about this. They're saying, where do we need to go now? How do we need to broaden our infrastructure and broaden our investments? Because these things are not going to be around forever. Technology is changing um, same thing when you bring technology into the church, who in your church is being harmed by the new technology. Are you forgetting about, uh, for, you know, for example, let's say you decide to do all of your announcements via Facebook. You know, are you leaving out a generation of people in your churches who don't even have own computers? Right. I, I have, I have some folks in my congregation who not only don't have a computer, they horribly dislike using the phone, mm. and so they they'll use the phone very briefly. But they either want to see you face to face, or they want to write letters. Mm. And I've got I have a few of those in my congregation. So these are not these people are out there. Are they being harmed by some of our moves toward technology? Um, well, and do we do we?
1: maintain compassion for people that are not as technologically savvy in the way that we go about doing church. Like for I'll give you just an example. We some years ago went in our church bulletin to just printing the words in the bulletin. Now some people think that's heresy. There's no music, you know, it's terrible or whatever. But we also provide for people that want it a hymnal and a songbook with full music in it. Well, I mean, lead sheet kind of music. Yeah. Um, some of them are harmonized, so we can fit in two pages, we harmonize it. You know, and so there's a way to do sometimes some technological stuff in church without, because for some people it's easier just to follow the bulletin. But what about the people who really feel most comfortable with a hymnal? That's what's comfortable for them. You know, so it's kind of, can you do both and not be too anal about um, insisting on your technology?
0: Yes. Because well, what you're talking about is
1: if you insisted on only doing Facebook, then that could be bad. Right.
0: Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. If you're you're only aiming at that at that computer generation, um, mm-hmm. now I've also heard on the other side of that I've heard from uh, from folks whose eyesight is going that words up on a screen is very helpful to them mm. because they can because they can see it. It's big. They can they can read it. So, but that's not going to be true for everybody. That's going to be true for those who are farsighted. That's not going to be true for those who are nearsighted. Right. Um, So then – so that's – the fourth question is we've got to think about the people involved. Who's – who are – what people and institutions are being harmed? Um, Even – maybe even something you put in there when you think about institutions. Are some churches, are smaller churches being harmed by the the work of the big churches and being so technologically savvy? You, some some of these mega churches are so professionally done and with all of the lights and the almost band and the music almost distractingly but to the point where a lot of folks are just prefer that very well done music and you go into a little church remember matt your the church you had where you were singing off midis played off a computer
1: yeah. yep
0: and you know that's that, that's a big gap
1: and I'm sure huge gap, which doesn't mean that we should be content with singing middies at the computer um, necessarily. Like it's required, or more spiritual, or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I like Piper's quote on this, which is undistractingly excellent. I like that.
0: In terms of what our services are to be,
1: yeah. I think that's very very helpful.
0: What well, even that but see now that's Piper saying that. And Piper can say that because if Piper right. has anything in his service he has excellence. Yes. He has that's the, true. he has the people and the resources and the staff. To, I to mean let off. Yeah, most churches, you know, 85% of churches in America are not going to have those resources. And so many smaller churches are going to have to ask the question, when, they're, when they are tempted by the technology, when the, when the technology comes in and they say, well, the big churches are doing that, and if we're going to compete with the big churches, we've got to have this technology. Let me, let me just say flat out, that is temptation. Mm. That is not mm-hmm. necessity. Right. There is nothing – small churches – there is nothing telling you you have to do it the way the big church does. In fact, right. there are so many things that small churches do better than big churches. Small Absolutely. churches do community so way much better. better. Right, and, and it's it, what's was interesting
1: about about this goes back to Postman. What's yeah. interesting about Postman, especially in Technopoly, is that he. And this was a great point that I needed to hear. I used to read Technopoly once a year, but I've kind of gotten the lessons, at least I think I have. Maybe I have it. maybe I should go back and look at it again and see if I have or not. But um but one of the things that Postman said is that uh, relationships are not efficient and most technology is desiring to make things more efficient, more productive. Which is good in, in one sense it can be it can be very good. Because our whole economy is built around productivity gains, and and uh, that's part of taking dominion. I believe that. I don't think there's something wrong with that. Um, but on the other hand, um, relationships aren't built on efficiency. In fact, they're they're um, they're opposed to each other. Yes. And so, if church is basically a series of relationships. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a problem. Sorry. I said it. (laughs) It's a problem.
0: Technology has gotten to the point where we, we think that communication is the equivalent of updating my status on Facebook or Twitter. Hmm. That's interesting. And that is not. There is no community involved. I, I love – I remember when when um, YouTube was just becoming popular and they were trying to pull people in and they, they talked about the YouTube community. That was <clears> the <throat> phrase that was used. All these people who were talking to each other via video. So one person would post a video of themselves talking. Somebody else would post a response video. Then there would be responses to the response videos and so forth. So there was this conversation going on via video. And yet there was no person to person. It had some of the elements of communication. So say real. say even more than you would in a in a chat room there 's no such thing right. chat rooms are gone now it's uh, now it 's a chat application in uh, within facebook or uh, i instant messaging um, so we, we, which brings me which brings me to the next question and takes us back to the last question the The fifth question is that postman asks and that we should ask of any new technology, is what changes in language are being enforced by this new technology? In other words, what's being gained, what's being lost, how is language being effective uh, affected? I talk to people regularly who are concerned about, and these are people in the megachurch, faithful attenders of uh, the local megachurch here, and they're concerned about the use of satellite or video broadcasting. Um, You know, we're starting to see more and more of these church plants where everything is live on Sunday morning except the sermon, which was Mm -hmm. either – is either brought in via satellite or it's recorded Saturday night and played Sunday morning. Right. And this is the kind of technology that we need to be um, thinking about. And I've got some good friends who are asking these questions and saying, you know what, we're losing something. Because that pastor who is preaching to me doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. They don't know what I'm struggling with. They don't know... Um, you're so you're saying
1: that in terms of the language change, to put the the label, the language usage pastor to an image on a video screen who doesn't know me personally is to change the nature of pastor as a word. It's is. enforcing a language change.
0: Yes. Yeah. You've, you've read a dangerous one. Yeah. It's, it's very dangerous. Very, very interesting. I had a, um, uh, I spent this week, uh, this last week at a, uh, uh, at a, a family camp, a, a Bible family camp in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And one of the, one of the speakers was a Welshman. Hmm. And, uh, at, at one point, one of one of the speakers spoke about actually spoke about technology. It was kind of ironic that we've been talking about this, and it was one of the, <laughs> one of the topics. No, so that is fascinating. Yeah, at the Q and A. Uh, this person was asked about PowerPoint in a worship service, and the the person who had spoke on technology, the pastor who had spoken, said, "Well, I'm you know," he said, "I'm not going to say it's wrong, but we have to be careful about our use of it," and he did a great job of. Using some of even some of Postman's questions to point out some of the errors of using technology in worship, but then this Welshman uh ha- got the microphone and he said, I want to add something to this. I'm not going to do his accent. He said, I want to add something to this. He said, I am absolutely opposed to PowerPoint. In the worship service. So you know, at this point, he's got everybody's attention. And he says, because in in our churches in Wales, there are the unlearned. There are those who cannot read. Hmm. And when you use PowerPoint, you are effectively kicking out a group of people from from the church. Now, immediately, the question, I turned to my wife, and my wife turned to me, and we said, well, what about hymnals? Well, right. the fact is that in many churches, they learn the songs by rote. This Classically, that's the way it was done. Hymnals are a new invention. They are. They're now, a
1: technology. I, 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 now, we most of that. our churches, I don't— that. Go ahead. Well, we forget that, that at some point, every single—the way that— um, uh, Culture-making, Andy, I can't think of his name. Crouch.
0: Crouch, Andy Crouch.
1: Every every cultural artifact at some point was a new technology. Mm-hmm. From pulpits to sound systems to the clothes that we wear to that we're on a high pulpit or on a low platform to the arrangement of chairs to the architecture of buildings. They were all technologies at some point, but they're, were, they're invisible to us. They're all ways of doing something. So we have to be careful that we don't sort of, you know, highlight certain ones. On the other hand, um, it's a great point. I, I've done some serious wrestling in the last nine months or so about the fact that probably our church is inaccessible to blue-collar people. Hmm. Because I'm highly educated. And because of the 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 level of preaching and language and, and verbiage um, that we... Do in our church um, not not to even come in the neighborhood of if an illiterate person came into our church and so that 's actually a very crucial question i 'm not sure that I buy the response, but I buy the sensitivity to the fact that the technologies that we use and even the cultural forms that we use. Are accessible to people who have not had all the privileges that we've had.
0: Well, and I would go beyond the word sensitivity. What he expressed was a compassion and a passion for um, folks who couldn't read. But
1: historically, the way the church has dealt with that is to teach them to read. Yes. Literacy, widespread yes. literacy, widespread schooling was not the invention of. Dewey. Widespread schooling was was perverted by Dewey, and made and made and <laughs> it was made. Started the, by it, yeah not the church. I'm, not that I'm not that I'm betraying all of my cards here, all in one swell foop. But um, the the it was public education, and not not public education. Education of everyone came about as a result of the printing press, as a result of Bible translation into regular languages, into vernacular languages. Uh, literacy came about, so people could read the Bible, yeah, so um, you, we want to be careful with that too, is not to say that's where we want to leave things um, because if we followed that consistently through in other in other ways then then there's a lot of things we would have never done that I think are an appropriate part of taking dominion.
0: Well, you Entirely know, my, my wife made a, a good point because we continued to talk uh, on the drive home about the whole po- uh, – this statement that he'd made because it was very strong. And, yep. and you and I both know we've – it's not been long since we've heard pastors say, um, I will not own a computer because of the temptations involved. Right. So, you know, it's – there are still pastors out there who oh, yeah. have not – gone the way of technology and are still writing their sermons by hand or on a typewriter who are still, um, you know, using a phone they they don't have email you know, even um, you know, our seminary our seminary president uh, I don't I think he has email now, but I think his secretary handles all of it Right So, uh, but my wife made the comment she said, my problem with, meaning her her difficulty with PowerPoint, she said, is that I'm watching for the next point. I'm not listening to the pastor. Interesting.
1: It creates an anticipation. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, these, these are the kinds of things that, like you said, Matt, um, every technology is a cultural artifact that at some point was accepted. But the question is, was it It accepted? It was innovated and accepted, yeah. Yeah, it was innovated, it was accepted. What we have to ask was, was it accepted blindly? Mm -hmm. Because accepting blindly is what we call worldliness. Mm -hmm. If it's accepted with restraint and consideration and discernment, that's the biblical response to technology.
1: And we should expect that there are things... As we seek to sift the world and its ways, that there would be things that the world would want to adopt in its worldliness and in its ungodliness
0: that we, that we would not. Yeah.
1: That we would not. Um, you know, and so I think there's a delicate line there. I think that challenge is right, is that technologies, generally speaking, are amoral. I mean, obviously, a uh, pornography app for your iPhone is not amoral. But the ability to have an app that takes pictures and views pictures and be able to um, manipulate pictures, you know, change the shading and take the, you know, whatever, the red eye out or whatever. That's amoral on your iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean you can't do something immoral with it. Um, But it – how it changes our lives to me is crucial like what Jenny was saying about the, the uh, PowerPoint, you know, that changes the way she listens to the word. And does it change it for the better or does it change it
0: for the worse? Those are crucial things. That is a point we have to get to at some point here because God has given his ordinary means – In giving us the ordinary means, he's given us the means. And if we're allowing technology to redefine the medium, Mm -hmm. we're walking on some dangerous ground. I remember a conversation I had with a seminary professor uh, years ago when you and I were in seminary, and I had uh, just listened to MacArthur speak. MacArthur came and spoke in our chapel Mm-hmm. And he had referred to a book and he held the book up and he told a story from the book and told us we should all get the book. And it, it wasn't his book, it was somebody else's book. And so I was just, I was thinking about it. I was working through these things. Technology was, was just be, becoming, um, uh, more and more used in the worship service. And I asked this professor and I said, what is the difference between referring to a book in a sermon and referring to a video on a screen? Hmm. Aren't they the same thing? Just two different ways of doing it? And he looked back at me and this was not uh, one of our more, you know, one of the more conservative professors, old school. This This was a younger guy. He looked back at me and he said, "God has given us spoken word. God spoke us into existence. He spoke the world into existence. The gospel is to be preached and spoken, not, you know, put in put into an independent not film. watched, not watched, yeah. yeah.
1: And it, it, but there is a watching. There is a watching of the gospel."
0: But even yes, God's it's our lives.
1: Means. Well, but also in the sacraments.
0: Yes. So we, we, we're we
1: right to want a visual presentation of the great truths. But, um, and I said this on Sunday, talking about the Lord's Prayer and saying, you want to see the heart of the Father, how you can call him Father. I said, look at this table. I said, here you see reenacted for you the heart of the Father for sinners. The heart of a father who, who gives up his own son, a son who most willingly comes and gives himself up. Broken, blood shed because it's what we deserve for our sins. I said, Do you, you want to see the gospel? Here it is. It's actually the diminishment of the visual of the ordinary means that's the problem, if you will. Right? We want a visual. But not that visual. That's an that's an ugly visual. We want something that'll make us laugh. Something, or, yeah, you know.
0: something flashier or something. Yeah, um,
1: it's a very simple visual, but but graphic and all the right senses.
0: Postman's sixth question, then, and maybe what we need to do now, since we're we're coming close to the end, is uh, let's wrap it up with this question, and then we will revisit these. Uh, with a more particular focus. We've, we've put them out there. We've discussed them broadly. Uh, maybe we can uh, put some specific focus to them in August. Uh, his sixth question is, what sort of people and institutions require special economic or political power because of this technological change? In other words, if, you, if this technology enters into the church, who now holds the power? who's de empowered and who's empowered? Right. Right, and it, and it, it's an important question. Uh, again, this the uh, one of the speakers this last week at our uh, at our family camp was um, told the story of being uh, the only church on his block when the power went off that was able to hold services. <laughs> Have, we we like light.
1: Light they could, they could, uh, they could uh, uh, just, just read from <laughs> the hymnals and use use bulletins and that. all that:
0: Yeah, he could uh, he was the one who could um, uh, he could he could yell loud enough, and they, they weren't dependent on the sound systems and the video screens. They had, still had hymnals. Um, they had instruments that didn't require a plugging in in order to use them and uh And so they were able uh they were able to continue now at the same time then we all we become dependent and this is the this is the thing in in worship God wants us dependent on him, and what we 're starting to see is a dependence on certain technologies in order for worship to be accomplished
1: yeah putting yeah, interesting in interesting the, the, the back of my mind, of my mind is, is. is. Could you, could you do your service, your service under, a, under tree a tree in Africa? Africa?
0: Yeah, could you? That's very interesting. It's uh, a great, it's a great question. So, I hope what you'll do, uh, we've given you these six. Let me read them back real quick, and then let's let's close with this and think about these. Encourage you to write these down. Uh, even go watch Postman's lecture if you're uh, if you're intrigued by this, and begin to think about our own lives as we serve Christ, uh, to think about our worship services and begin to ask, are we blindly accepting technology or are we implementing technology as as it serves us rather than taking it on and us, we, become the servants of the technology. So just as we close, here's postman's six questions the first one was what problem does this technology solve it's a great question to ask second is whose problem was it it might not be your problem it might not be your church's problem the church has Mm -hmm. done fine for years without this number three what problems are created they're always symptoms if you don't believe me go watch the drug advertisements on the uh, drug commercials and you'll see there's always symptoms Uh, There's always problems that a new technology creates, uh, ways that we have to adapt. Um, You know, I think of the fact when when telephones began becoming touchscreen, people in colder climates began asking, "Do I have to take my gloves off to use my phone?" Okay. Um, Number four, which people and institutions have been harmed by this technology, we need to be a people of compassion. Mm-hmm. And are we, are we neglecting certain people in favor of others? Uh, are we neglecting the old in, in favor of the young? Uh, number five, what changes in language are being enforced? What's being gained and lost? You see that in the way words are being changed. The way we talk becomes different. I just had a conversation with my, my daughter the other day about texting and I, I told her, I said, when you write an email, I don't want you using the letter U for Y-O-U. I don't want you using the number two for T-O. I want you to write your emails as if you're writing a letter and, and use the full words. And I, I said, you'll thank me later. Um, because we have a lot of kids who are, who are functionally, they can't write. Right. Because they, they're growing up texting. Right. Using this tech speak, but that's ju- that's just a small piece. But that's a powerful piece of this puzzle. Um, and then finally, number six: Who gets the power? Are we what, what power
1: transfer is executed by this? Yeah,
0: exactly. Are we? Do we suddenly? Are we suddenly serving the technology? Or are we able to do this in such a way that the technology is serving our growth in Christ? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the aim. So I incur- we encourage you to think about these things. If you have questions, now we've talked for a couple months on technology. If you have questions, specific questions uh, about how technology relates to your own life or your church, uh, we welcome you asking those questions on the blog and we will respond to them. And uh, we thank you for listening. May the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means.